0: The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. You can join us live Saturday nights at 6 p.m., Sunday mornings at 9, 10:30, or 12, or you can join us online at cityrev.org. So Rebecca and I have uh, three children, and our youngest is our uh, sweet little girl, Hope and she is now about 18 months, and hope is just, uh, I mean, in in our Little family, she is like a celebrity. Like if she's, if one of us is uh, bringing her out of a room after a nap, and and one of us carries her in, and the rest of the family's there, we all just you know go nuts. I mean, she's just this beautiful sweetheart, and uh, um, she's she's starting to learn some words, and she's walking around now, running around, bumping into things, and um, and so one of her first words that she like really has a command on is the word shoe. She knows the word shoe, so she'll, she'll like go and, and get a shoe, and she'll come out and be like, shoe, and she's got that word down, and I think part of the reason is because someone at some point gave us these little shoes for Hope. They, they fit her, just little 18-month-old shoes, and there's these little pink sneakers that are just covered with sequins all around. So they're just totally blinged out. They've got like the little laces that are actually pink ribbons. I mean, they're the girliest shoes you can imagine, okay? And Hope loves these shoes. So she'll just go toddling over to her closet and she'll look at the shoes and she'll go, shoo! And then she'll hold up her little pudgy foot like this. And I'll have to like get her shoe or Rebecca will get her shoe or her big sister or big brother and they'll put that shoe on and and we'll tie it for her and then she'll hold up her other foot, you know, shoe and then we'll have to put the other like sparkly pink shoe on that foot and then she walks around and she doesn't care where she could be at home, she could be out, you know, outside with with her siblings but she loves wearing those shoes and you can kind of tell when she's got her pink sparkly shoes on, you can kind of tell she feels fancy. So she's kind of got this smile on her face and she's just kind of got a little bit of a spring in her step. Like when she puts those shoes on, she feels fancy, okay? And there's a, there are accessories like that. There's things that we have in our lives that when we put those on, we feel different about ourselves. And that's the way certain accessories look or certain things that we add into our lives. It changes how we feel about ourselves. We have our own versions of pink sparkly shoes. But there's other accessories that work differently. It's not that when we put them on, we feel different. There are other accessories that we put on because we are different. So for example, um, uh, another accessory in our home is uh, Rebecca and I, my, my wife and I, we wear our wedding rings all the time. That's a different type of accessory. It's not that when I put that ring on, something changes about me. It's that something fundamentally shifted about me and I put this accessory on to demonstrate that fundamental shift. You know, Hope, maybe when she doesn't have the shoes on, she feels less fancy. When she does put the shoes on, she feels more fancy. For me, it doesn't matter whether I take on or off this ring. I am just as much married. And because that's a part of who I am, I take the fact that I am married. I am, as part of my identity, a husband. Um, I, I am married That's part of my identity. I take that. That's not just an accessory I add on to my life that I take on and off. I take that into every sphere of my life, no matter where I go. And so that, that is a, a critical part of our lives, that there's certain things that have shifted in our identity. And when it's something that's shifted in our identity, we carry it into every part of our life, no matter what. We can't just take it on or off. And when we talk about identity and someone's identity, when we're talking about your identity or my identity, man, we're in, those are like sacred waters. I mean, those are things that run deep down into who we are. And we can go all through life and we can accessorize our life. And, and that's what we do without even thinking of it. We kind of accessorize our life and we kind of make ourselves feel different. You know, we feel like good about ourselves or bad about ourselves, how we accessorize our life. But man, when we get down into the space of our identity and those waters run, run really deep and I want to read you a, a prayer that Jesus prayed and he speaks to identity. And here's what I honestly believe. As you're listening to this today, when you hear what Jesus says, if you, if you really hear this, it could shift something so far deep in your identity that you could be permanently changed and altered in a good way for the rest of your life. I want you to hear what Jesus says. We're going to be looking in John chapter 17 we're going to look at uh, verse 16. As you're opening in your Bible or Bible app, take a second. Um, if you uh, if you have a, your Bible or a Bible app, open to John chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 16. Just to give you the context of what we're reading, this is a prayer Jesus prays. So it's the son praying to the father, okay? And this is one of the last things that the disciples heard Jesus say before the crucifixion. So he's been um, there in in the last supper. He's already washed their feet. He sent Judas out Um, Judas is out betraying him uh, while uh, while this is happening, while he's speaking this. He gives this long um, teaching. It's called a farewell discourse, like this long goodbye, and it's crescendos with a prayer. And at the end of this prayer, they are going to go into the Garden of Gethsemane. He's going to be arrested, and the passion will begin. He's going to go on trial. He's going to be beaten and mocked and whipped and crucified. He will die, and then on the third day, he will rise again from the dead. That's the, what the scripture says. That's what the eyewitnesses said about him, the people closest to him. And so this is a very pivotal prayer because it's right before all of that happens. And so because of that, sometimes this prayer is called the high priestly prayer. It's a prayer that's almost like Jesus is there as a high priest preparing to offer the sacrifice that the whole world needs. It's almost like this high priest praying over the sacrifice, and that is what the Bible says his death was. It is the sacrifice the world needed for all of our sins that's offered to the world, and anyone who accepts that sacrifice, their sins are permanently washed away. And so we have this moment where Jesus is praying over the sacrifice, and he's operating kind of as the high priest, but he's also the sacrifice. Because he will offer himself, and, and that death on the cross is him being the sacrifice for sins. Significant thing, because these are the last words he's praying, some of the last words that he, his disciples hear before he begins this incredible moment of his death, and then a few days later, his resurrection. That's the context. We're in John 17, verse 16. Let's listen to what Jesus prays. He says this, He's speaking about his disciples, the the 11 disciples that are there because Judas is gone. He's speaking about his, his disciples. He says, they are not of the world just as. You see those two little words there, just as? I want you to remember those two words, just as. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. For their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Okay, now pause with me for a second. Here's what he's saying. He's praying to the father and he's praying about, he starts this prayer praying uh, earlier in chapter 17, praying about himself. He's offering himself and then he's praying over these disciples. Imagine you've got the 11 disciples there. You've got, you know, Peter and James and John and Andrew and Thomas and Matthew. You've got these disciples, these famous 11 disciples and he's praying over them. It's a powerful moment. He's praying over them. But the way he prays is so significant. Watch closely. He's not asking God to do something for them. He's declaring something over them that is true. And he says two things. He says, the first thing is he says, they are not of this world. Just as... I am not of this world. Now, don't just read over that. I mean, just think about that for a second because that is, that's an incredible thing he's saying about his, his disciples here. I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, yeah, Jesus, I picture him, you know, he's, he's definitely not of this world. I mean, Jesus is from heaven. I mean, he was born of the Virgin Mary, okay? I mean, that is that just that alone is, is unbelievable, like God placing life in Mary's womb. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, he's God in the flesh. I mean, angels appeared and announced to shepherds when he was born in Bethlehem. I mean, he's prophesied for hundreds of years beforehand, thousands of years anticipating the birth of, of the Messiah. The Son of God. I mean, he is—he was seated on the throne with God in heaven, God the Father in heaven before the beginning of time. I mean, that's where his true home is, there in heaven, reigning as King Jesus. I mean, he is just kind of passing through. He's just on this planet just for a brief season. He's just in the flesh briefly, but he truly—I mean, he's otherworldly. He belongs in heaven. It's easy to think of Jesus as not of this world. But look what he says about these 11 disciples right in front of him. He's saying this to the Father. He's not just like saying this off the cuff. I mean, this is a significant moment. In other words, it's like just before he's about to give his life on the cross, just before he's about to raise again from the dead, he's praying this over them as if an incredible shift is about to happen in who they are. He says, they are not of this world just as he's not of this world. So wait a minute. I mean, like, these are just dudes. They're like fishermen. Okay, this guy, I mean, his dad, this, these two guys, their dad's name is Zebedee. I mean, this guy over here's dad's name is Jonah. This guy was a tax collector. Okay, this guy over here, I mean, they, they seem like normal guys. They used to have normal jobs. I mean, they're not exactly otherworldly. But what he's saying is something is fundamentally about to shift in who they are. That they are no longer. Their fundamental frame of reference as to who they are. They now belong to heaven like Jesus belongs to heaven. That is their, their frame of reference is now heaven, no longer earth. Okay, that, that is significant. Just hang on to that idea. We're going to come back to that. The second thing he says is he says... They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. But there's another time he uses that same just as language. He says, and just as God the Father, you sent me, God the Son, into the world, I'm sending them into the world. There's another just as. He says, now they're, they're not of the world, but I am sending them into the world just like you, Father, sent me into the world. And then he uses this word, um, consecrated. I'm consecrating myself. I'm asking that you would sanctify them, which are just, those are just great churchy words, aren't they? You know, consecrated, sanctified. And those are actually the same words. That word group is the same word in the original ancient Greek. That this was originally written, and those are the same words. And the idea here, kind of fundamentally, that word means set apart. If something is consecrated or sanctified, that that is set apart. So, for example, it's typically that that individual would be set apart for some sacred or holy task. Imagine uh, King, the famous King David, when he was first anointed to be king. A prophet named Samuel, he came and there's all of David's brothers were standing there. And Samuel came and he knew that one of these brothers, God had told him one of them would be the king. And he he consecrates, he sets apart the youngest, David. It shocked everybody. He takes little David and he sets apart, he anoints him with oil. He was going to be set apart because he was called out for a holy, sacred task to be the king of God's people. Um, Moses' brother Aaron was going to be the first high priest and so Aaron is set apart he's consecrated he'd be anointed with oil a prophet might be set apart for a task and God is Jesus is saying God the Father, you set me, God the Son, apart. You, you consecrated me for a sacred task. You sent me into the world to accomplish something. And now it is eminent. He's, he's about to, to go and be the sacrifice for all of our sins. And he says, just as you sent me into the world, now these before me, these 11, I, I asked that you would consecrate them. You would sanctify them. You would set them apart and send them into the world. Because I am sending them into the world. And man, you can see that with these 11. I mean, think about it. I mean, Thomas, historically, the evidence says that he went all the way to India. Matthew went all the way down into Africa. He, was sent, he, he went talking about who Jesus was and sharing the gospel and establishing churches. Some went all the way. History says that some went all the way as far as ancient Britain, some of those 11. All the way around the known world in, in that day, taking the message of the gospel. We look, man... They were set apart for an incredible task. I mean, what Jesus is saying about who these disciples are, they are incredible. But you've got to see what he says next in verse 20. Because what he says next, what Jesus prays next in verse 20, it just might change your life. Look what he says. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Do you see what he just said right there? He's saying, God, I'm praying over these 11. You've got, you got Peter, he's bowing his head. You've got James and John, and, and you've got Simon and Bartholomew, and you've got all these guys all bowing their heads these 11, and he's saying, God, I, I'm praying over these just as I am no, not of this world. These are not of this world. Just as I was sent and anointed for this task, these are anointed for this task. And then he says, and I'm not just praying for these 11. I'm not just praying for these 11 disciples. He's saying, I am praying for all of the future disciples who believe in me by their word. Do you know who he was praying about? That is Jesus Christ praying for you, Christian. Because how do we know the message of Jesus Christ? We're reading out of the book of John right now. We're reading the testimony of one of those 11. It's this testimony that went all over the world and it's been passed down from generation to generation. It's their testimony that led us to believe and Jesus is praying for all of those who believe. This is a prayer directly from Jesus. Not just a prayer that applies to you, Christian. This is a prayer for you, with you in mind let that sink in for a second you have a prayer right here preserved for almost two years a prayer that jesus prayed for you here christian in the 21st century he's praying this over you so wait a minute if this prayer is for you if you are a disciple or we use the ancient greek word mathetes around here for it's a greek word for disciple if you're a mathetase, if you're a disciple, if you're a Christ follower, then what he just said applies to you. That means what he's just prayed, what he's just declared over those he's praying about, he said, just as he's not of this world, that means you're not of this world. Just as he's sent into the world, what this means is he was thinking of you that you are set apart, pulled out from the crowd and anointed to be sent into this world. Just hold on to that. We're going to come back to that in a second because that's that's not all that he says about you. Let's pick it up in verse 21. That they may all be one. Look at these next two words. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me. Watch this. Christian, just let your imagination soar as you hear this. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them. Look at this. Even as you loved me. This is... If we just stop and just think about this for a second, just let this sink in, this is some of the most incredible words that could, I think, be spoken over you as a believer. He's already said that you're not of this world just as he's not of this world. He's already said that you're sent into the world, Christian, just as he's sent into the world. But now here's what he's saying. He's saying, and together... His disciples around the world, throughout history, are to be one, unified, one together, just as the Father and the Son are one. That's crazy. I mean already, I mean, trying to understand how the Trinity works, one God in three persons. I mean, Jesus is God in the flesh. It's hard enough to understand, okay, how is Jesus, the Son of God, praying to the Father God? Like, how does all that work? I mean, all of that is a mystery, and, and it shouldn't surprise us that as we push into the very nature of the almighty being who created the universe, that we're going to come across things that doesn't quite fit into my tiny mind. I shouldn't really be surprised at that, and understanding how this works, how How the the one God is one in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How all that works is hard to understand. But what I do know is trying to understand that we would be one, perfectly one, just as the Father and the Son are one is unbelievable. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to grasp. It's hard to envision that we would be one to that degree. But that is something that Jesus is declaring over us as a reality that unity and oneness is not just, hey, you know, let's just give it a try. That'd be nice. It'd be nice if Christians all were, you know, kind of worked together and got along. That's not what he's saying. He's declaring that we are one just as he and the father are one. That we are in him and he is in us. That we're all one together. And then he uses this, this example, this, this phrasing that is unbelievable. He says, Father, the glory you have given to me, I have given to them. Now, what does he mean by glory? Well, glory, especially if you, uh, in the Old Testament when you see this word glory, glory is associated with the tangible presence of God. So for example, when Moses was getting those two tablets, the 10 commandments, and he went up on Mount Sinai, when he came down the mountain, it says his face was shining. It was literally like radiating light as he came down the mountain. He was, his face was shining because he had been in the presence of God. If you remember that moment when the, in the angels, we celebrated at Christmas time, the angels appeared to the shepherds when uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It says that the glory of the Lord shone around them. It is the shining that is like the, the tangible presence of God. There are two occasions where Jesus appeared to his disciples in all his glory. Once on this mountain called the Mount of Transfiguration and one in Revelation chapter 1 where he appears to John. And it says his eyes were like like flames of fire. It says his face shone like the sun. It's this, it's this radiating light that reflects the nature of God. It's a sign that the tangible presence of God is there. And that is who Jesus is. The beginning of John says that Jesus came. He was the presence of God dwelling among us. He was the glory of God. He was the exact imprint of his nature. He was the radiating of God, showing that God's tangible presence was here. And what Jesus is saying is through the work that he's about to do, he's gonna take that glory and he's now that the Father gave him and he's gonna give his disciples, not just those 11, but all those that would come. Can you just like, What does that possibly mean? That you carry, if you're a follower of Christ, you carry the glory that the father gave the son and now he's given you. I, I think what he's saying there is he's saying he's making us one and through our oneness we are the tangible presence of God in our city. And that we're to reflect the nature of God. We're to be like a light shining in our city together all throughout the various neighborhoods and workplaces and families. And and the various apartment buildings and the various industries and schools and friend groups. We're like each of us together are like the shining radiance of God reflecting his nature. We are the presence of God as one in our city. Incredible. Incredible. Statements he's making. And then he says, that the world may know that just as the Father loves me, the Son, Jesus is saying, just as as that, so he loves them. His followers, the disciples, are loved by God just as God loves the Son. Now, I, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to comprehend how God the Father loves God the Son. I mean, just perfect in His obedience to God. I mean... Part of the Trinity together. I mean, like his love for the Son, I mean, he's the beloved. And Jesus is saying through the work in this high priestly prayer, this work he's about to do, what's going to shift is that love is now applied to the disciple, those who follow after Jesus, and that love from the Father, just as God loves the Son. So he loves you and me. Because, man, sometimes I feel like, you know, well, I, I feel like God loves me today. I mean, I did a pretty good job. But then some other days I'm like, man, I just don't feel like I, man, I, I wish I could just do better and be better and do more. And, man, I just don't feel as much love. But, no, no, the same love, just as God loves the Son, he's pouring out this constant, overwhelming, overflowing, perfect love upon us. That is Unbelievable. Here's what I want you to consider what Jesus has prayed over at this significant moment, what he said about you. Because it's not, I, I believe that some people look at Jesus in the Christian faith as just kind of a way to religiously accessorize your life. And it's almost like, you know, in, in your life, it's like, look, i I Probably should add a little more religion or I need to add a little more spirituality and you know i 've got I'm trying to, I just need a little help, a little boost in my marriage, a little boost in my career, a little boost in my emotions, a little boost in my attitude. Like, I just need a little bit of help. And so I'm going to accessorize my life with some spirituality, some religion, and I'm going to do the Jesus stuff. Like, the Jesus stuff will be that spirituality. Or maybe say, look, I I live a fairly normal life, but I grew up going to church. And so, yeah, if you press me, I'd say I'm a Christian. You know, that would be where I'd align. But, you know, it's just kind of when I'm religious, that's what I do. That's not what Jesus is describing here. What he's saying is the work he's about to do through his death and resurrection is so fundamentally gonna shift our identity that it's not just something we add on and accessorize our lives with, it's something that shifts who we are. And this is why the scripture uses this kind of phrasing that it's like we're made new. Listen to what Jesus says about you, Christian. Uh, Imagine, I mean, just let your imagination be stretched as you imagine, what he's saying about you, what he's saying is that just as Jesus is not of this world, now you are not of this world. In other words, your true home, because of his death and resurrection, your true home is heaven. That means that you are just like Jesus are just passing through here, but your true home, and and it's hard to imagine, right? Because you've never been there. It's not like Jesus who was in heaven and came down and went back. We've not yet been to our true home. And maybe even some of you say, look, I, I get that. I think heaven's going to be good. I mean, I, I, it's better than the alternative. I think it's probably going to be good. But, man, it's just kind of, it's hard for me to get excited about heaven. It just seems like it's going to be kind of boring. I mean, just on and on through eternity, like the same thing. I mean, you only say that because you don't know what heaven is. Like, I know, but I just, I... I like earth. I mean, earth is nice. There's exciting things about earth. There's pretty things about earth. There's fun things about earth. I just, I kind of like earth. I, it's kind of, it's good to me. You know, I, I, I'm nothing against heaven, but I like this. But see, all of the exhilarating, exciting, beautiful, creative things that are here on earth are merely a reflection of the source, almighty God. And when we're in heaven, we're in the presence of the source of all creativity, all beauty, all exhilaration, all power. We're there at the source. How could it possibly be boring and monotonous when we're standing before the one who created creativity? That's your true home, Christian. We're, we're just passing through this. We're now like Jesus. We now have, we're now have an allegiance to a higher kingdom. We have a, a new home that we're just, we're just here for a short time, but that's really where we belong. That's our new frame of reference is, is heaven. We're no longer earthlings. We're just here on earth. We belong to heaven. That's what he's spoken over you. He says just as I'm not from this world, you're no longer from this world, you're not of this world. And he says, but just as I was anointed and consecrated and sent into this world, I am sending you just as much. See, Christian, do you know who you are? See, sometimes it's like, yeah, I mean, I I try to help people. I kind of go through my life. I add in, you know, some love and some kindness and some gentleness and try to do that. No, no, you've been pulled out. You've been plucked out, selected out, consecrated and anointed for a task and sent into the world. That's the only reason he didn't just immediately save you and take you to heaven. It's because he's like, no, following in the footsteps of Christ, I'm sending you into the earth. I've anointed you for a task. That should stir up an expectancy in your life, in every conversation, in every facet of your life. Lord, is this part of the work you have for me to do here? Lord, is this person, what does this person need? What do, what do I need to do at work? What do I, what's, the, what's the presence I'm going to be in my family, and my friend group? He has anointed you. Holy Father God has anointed you. You've been sent by Jesus, set aside, consecrated, anointed for a task, sent into this world. That's who you are. And we do this as one. He says, just as the Father and the Son are one, so we are one together. We are the tangible presence of God throughout the city. And then he says, just as the Father loves me, you, Father, love them. Can you imagine that the Father loves you that much? Can I just take a second and address just the state that we find our world in and our society in right now? I know that there's, there's so many Christians and on all sides of all the issues that in the midst of so much uncertainty are often tempted to think, man, I just wonder if God's like, look, I, I'm done with this. Like, I'm done with this nation. I'm done with this city. I'm done with this community. I'm done with this society. Like, I'm just letting them turn over to them, themselves. I, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm backing out. You can only say that if you don't know who you are. because How could he back out from caring for this nation? How could he back out from caring for this city, caring for this community, this society? Because you're in it and you're his child. Do you know what 1 John 3, 1 says? Listen to 1 John chapter 3, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The work that Jesus was about to do on the cross, his death and his resurrection, made us adopted into his family. He's, he, how could he possibly wash, um, wash his hands of our nation, of our land? How could he possibly do something like that? Because his children are in this land. He's not done with this land yet. You are his child. Have hope that he is working out, working all things out for good. Because his children are here. And he loves us like he loves the son, Jesus. Do you know who you are, Christian? This is why Jesus used phrases like, when you put your faith in me, you're born again. Like, You become something new. You're not what you were before. You're new. That's why the scripture says when you put your faith in Jesus, when you say yes, Jesus is the sacrifice that washes my sins away permanently. I need to be rescued by a savior and his name is Jesus who died and I believe rose again. When we put our faith in Jesus, that salvation which is offered for free, when that's applied to us, something shifts in us. We're, something brand new, it says we become a new creation. You are not once what you once were. A new reality has been created in who you are. You're no longer an earthling. You are just sent here as part of a larger body of of, of a oneness. You are now a part of taking the presence of God and demonstrating what the love of God looks like. That's who you are. You're shifted in who you are. You know, today we get to celebrate with those who are being baptized. It's such a powerful moment. Because they're people who have put their faith in Jesus. And and what we're going to see is they're going to get lowered under the water and raised back up. It's this ancient symbol that Jesus commanded us to do. And it's a symbol that represents, it's a symbolic burial under the water. That their old life is dead and buried. And then they're raised back out of the water as something completely new. That's not an illustration. That is a, a reality Of who they are. Christian, that's who you are. That's that's fundamentally who you are. And if we can realize that our faith in Jesus is not a religious accessory, it is a fundamental shift in our identity. You're something brand new. Walk that out. Because when your identity shifts, you carry that. You can't take that on and off, you carry that into every sphere of your life. There's two key little words, just as, but there are two other key words in there that he said twice. Just as, and the other two words are, so that. Your identity is shifted so that, and what he said was, the world may believe in who Jesus is. That's who you're called to be. That's who we're called to be. That's who we're, what we're unified in. To fundamentally do. Um, I, I have here in my my pocket a, a matchbook, just a little matchbook with some matches in it. And matches are just one of the most fundamental uh, ways to shine a light. And um, so, for those of you watching online, I, I want to give you some homework. I want you to get a matchbook. Maybe you have one in your uh, in your home. Get one. Or maybe go go get one. And I want you to carry that in your pocket or in your purse with you all the time this week. For those of you who are here, as you leave tonight, as you leave today, you'll get one of these um, matchbooks and I want you to keep that with you the entire week um, as constantly as you possibly can. And I want this to be a reminder to you that you are the radiating light. You are the glory that was given from the Father to the Son has now been given to you. You and I together as one are the shining presence of God in our city no matter where we go. And so as you have this in your pocket all week, you'll remember that I am the presence of God here in my home. I am the, pre- the physical manifestation of God, the presence of God here, shining as a light here in where I work. I'm shining as a light in my neighborhood, in my friend group. When I'm posting online, I'm, I'm shining as a light in the industry that I work in. And so when we're all shining as a light, the radiance of God, a reflection of who God is in every sector of our city, as we do that as one, the presence of God will, will show that, the, that our city may believe in who Jesus is. I want you to be reminded that that's not something you take on and off. That's who you are. I want to close today by just giving you something to imagine. And I want you to just close your eyes. Wherever you're at, seated on your couch or maybe you're listening in your car or wherever you're at, I just want you to close your eyes for a second. And I want you to imagine you're standing in a massive crowd it's, let's just say it's, it's all seven, eight billion people from all the different cultures and cities and countries and nations and people groups, all the different languages. You're just one in the crowd. And standing before the entire crowd, you see Jesus. And as you're just looking at Jesus, just for a moment... You see him in just normal the the clothes you imagine him in, and he's there looking, and just for a moment, it's like the Father just causes him to radiate the glory of God. It's like he's glowing, and then he walks into the crowd, and he's walking through just all different nations and people groups, and he's tapping people as he goes. And he gets to you, and he comes right to you. It's like he was looking for you. And he stops in front of you, and he puts his hands on your shoulders. And he looks at you, and he says, son, daughter, I want you to know how loved you are. You are loved by the one who made you more than you can imagine. Because of the work I did for you. The amount of love God has for me is now, that's the love he has for you. And you hear the, the ground beneath your feet starts to shake and you hear this rumble and all of a sudden you realize that rumble is not an earthquake. It's laughter from heaven. It's the Father laughing over you with delight. And he says, I I am, he has his hands on your shoulders and he says, I have anointed you for a task. I am sending you into this world because there's many throughout this crowd that you're gonna reach and you're gonna tap on the shoulder and they're gonna become children of God. I've called you to do that task. He says but but i've also shifted your home your home is in heaven and when he says this you look down and just for a moment the same radiance of glory you saw in him is now radiating from you he's transferred that to you can i tell you that is not an imaginary situation that is the reality of your life christian that's who you are Now, you can pick your head up and look back up here. This is a season, Christian, where the world needs us to live out our identity of who He's already called us to be. You're born again, you're a new creation, the presence of God. Let's not forget that for in one minute of the day. Walk into every single place radiating the love of God, the message of the gospel. Some of you are hearing this, and, I, and maybe what caught your attention is that it's a free gift, that religion is not just an accessory, because some of you today, that transition, that transformation, that fundamental identity shift of being an earthling to being someone that is of heaven, someone who's a citizen of heaven, someone who's bearing the glory and the radiance of of God into this world, that shift can happen in your life today. And man, I I know some people that in that moment where they just prayed and gave their life to Jesus, man, they felt it. They just felt something shift in them. I know others that they say, look, I I have this inner assurance. I I didn't feel much. But as they walk along, man, they, they begin to realize through their life just that shift that's happened. Either way, maybe today is the day where you surrender to Jesus and you become born again, a new creation, a citizen of heaven, a child of God, a son or daughter of the Almighty who he delights in. Give your life to Jesus today. And if that's you, let me just lead you in this prayer. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Just say this Jesus, just in your heart, just repeat these words to Jesus. He's right there listening. Just say this to your Savior. Say, Jesus, I believe you saved me. I accept the sacrifice of your death on the cross, it paid for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead, defeating sin and death itself. And I believe I'm someone new. My past is dead and buried. I'm brand new today, once and for all. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church, I believe that there were people who just now watching right now online put their faith in Jesus. Can we just celebrate for those who put their faith in Jesus? Let me tell you, something changed in your life today. You are fundamentally a new creature. We celebrate that with you. Here's what I want you to do, if that was you, I want you to go to cityrev.org faith. It's right there on the screens. The reason we're asking you to do that is we just wanna send you a Bible. We want you to know who, what this new identity is that he's making you making you into and what he's made you into. We wanna walk on this journey with you, so go to cityrev.org faith. It's gonna ask you a couple questions so we can send you a Bible. Go there now. And we're gonna, and this time, we're gonna begin worshiping with the Lord. We're gonna continue worship. We're gonna celebrate people who've been baptized so we're going to continue that time of worship. Would you go ahead and stand, uh, church, if you're here, if you're as you're watching at home, just get into a posture of worship. But here's what I want to, I want to do. I want to speak to those of you who are here in the room. If today you say, man, I, I, that was me. I just put my faith in Jesus. If you want to be baptized, then when we begin singing, I want you to go ahead and go to the back. You can just go to that lobby. You can get baptized today. We've got shirts, shorts, we've got a towel, we've got a place for you to change. We're ready for you. Today is your day. Just go ahead and go to the back. Go to that that lobby and we'll direct you where to go. Let's worship together the reality that we are one in Jesus Christ. Let's worship together. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at cityrev.org.